right, welcome back to the Tone of the Podcast brought to you by FlooringIsForever.com and the UPS store in Fishers off of Oleo Road. So much to dive into if you missed the early podcast this week. Uh, kind of about rumor mills when it comes to the Colts, Jim Harbaugh, Purdue. We had that discussion, uh, and we are going to continue that discussion here on today's podcast as Alan Karpik from GoldenBlack.com will join us to kind of discuss what's going on with the Purdue football program as they prep for the Citrus Bowl and also the basketball program and the different roles that new players are stepping up uh, and filling this year as the Purdue basketball team is out to an 8-0 start and currently ranked 5th in the country. The UPS Store and Fishers brings you the Tone of the Podcast and this Purdue report. Check them out for all of your packing and shipping needs this holiday season. Their pack and ship experts will take your small business to the next level this holiday season. Without further ado, from goldenblack.com, uh, so much to talk about, Alan, when it comes to Purdue. Uh, we're kind of in a waiting game of what's going to happen uh, with the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers football team, uh, but a lot to discuss here. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, Tony, thanks for having me on. Always good to talk, and yes, you're right. There is a lot going on in the world of Purdue uh, sports right now. Let, let's go back. Just the accomplishment to make the Big Ten championship, and obviously that's never the goal. The goal is to win that game, and you know, the the haters and the doubters and the IU faithful are going to say, oh, but that side of the that side of the Big Ten was crap this year. That'll probably never happen again. But but it did. And they got there. Um, how big of an accomplishment is that for the Purdue football program? Well, I think it is an accomplishment. And some of what the people say is true. I mean, the the, the Big Ten West was you had the teams uh, with a six and three record win the win the division outright. That's uh, almost statistically challenging. To, you don't see that very often. But um, you know, I, I don't think you can take that away from Purdue just because it, it was an accomplishment. Yes, uh, no question that per, because Purdue is what about five miles west of Indiana or Bloomington, West Lafayette's five miles west of Bloomington. Uh, Purdue gets picked to the West Division. I guess that's how that worked, and and it's been to Purdue's advantage from this standpoint. And I think Purdue fans look at it and say, you know, there'll be just one more year of divisions. It, it appears. And if that gets broken up and when you have USC and UCLA enter the league, it's going to be a heck of a lot tougher to make a game like that. So uh, I think Purdue fans relished in the opportunity to play in Lucas Oil, play on the big stage, play in a championship level game, uh, despite the fact that it was a 43-22 game as it turned out. Yeah, I'm not sure the score was – I mean, they they played well in that first half. And and look, you went up against a team in Michigan that is obviously, as we know, going to play for – more than likely a national championships, certainly in the playoffs, as we know. Uh, what What is the most surprising thing for you this year with Purdue football from where your expectations were going in uh, to where you know that they are now heading to the Citrus Bowl? Well, I, I think partly that uh, as it played out, Purdue could have been 10 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, you know, just the fact that they lost two games early on, Penn State and Syracuse, that, that, uh, easily could have won certainly the Syracuse game and and really Penn State they had Penn State nailed to the wall and just didn't get the job done so uh, I think that was a surprise that uh, uh, in some ways that uh, they didn't get to 10 wins or the way the season started they were able to turn it around and get to eight wins now I had I looked before the before the season started I would have said eight or nine wins would have been a really good season so I don't think anybody's complaining but the way they got there was a little bit interesting from uh, just those two games early on and then going to Minnesota and getting the job done when Minnesota was was ranked beating Illinois, who you would have never guessed before the season that the Illini would have been ranked when Purdue played them. Uh, but getting those wins at that time uh, made it for a, 
kind of a topsy turvy, uh, uh, typical Jeff Brom when you count them out type uh, situation. They tend to win games, and that's what happened this year. Purdue heading to the Citrus Bowl. Alan Carpick joining us. Uh, well, let's move over to Jeff Brom. There's always going to be rumors <laughs> when anything opens up down in Louisville, as we know. Um, and we're, we're, we're talking to each other on, on Tuesday morning, so we know that things can change. Um, but, but what is your gut feeling telling you right now about what Jeff Brom's future holds? I think he's a heavy lean to take the job. If, if assuming he's offered, uh, and uh, I, I can't, I'd be surprised if he's not. Now, there is a new athletic director since uh, in the last year. Um, uh, the whole Scott Satterfield to Cincinnati thing is a little bit perplexing, but not shocking because mm-hmm. Satterfield may have burned some bridges there last year or two years ago when he looked at South Carolina and, and may have been looking to get out. Certainly looks that way. So, And Jeff Brom is a favorite son and, and has always been very, very tied to Louisville, as we well know. So... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't take it. And that's not a criticism of Purdue. That's just a, a guy going home uh, and an opportunity to do that. His family is from there. Uh, they certainly don't hide the fact that they're Louisville people. And it would surprise me if he doesn't take the, the opportunity, assuming it's offered. And, you know, and Tony, this world, I just don't ever, I hate to always be emphatic about, oh, this is absolutely going to happen. I don't know if this is going to happen, but it's sure, if you read the tea leaves, if you look at the, the history here, you look at the fact that in 2018, I do know what he went through when he made the decision to kind of buck the family choice and stay at Purdue. Uh, that was uh, excruciating for him in a lot of ways now. Uh, and this opportunity came back up. He can check a lot of boxes. He's been at Purdue for six years. They got to the West Division Championship. They won some bowl games. They they got nationally ranked finally this year. Those types of things are uh, in the last couple of years. And that though, all those kinds of things uh, uh, become uh, an important part of uh, being able to say, hey, I did make things better. And the biggest thing he did, Tony, is he brought fans back to West Lafayette. So Purdue, I wouldn't have guessed this when, when Jeff Brom took the job that uh, Purdue would be playing with, in front of predominantly sellout crowds this year. Uh, but he's done just that. You know, you kind of led me to my next point. Um, knowing what he's done over his six-year tenure at Purdue, I'm okay with somebody going home. What do you think the fan base is going to think? Are they going to be accepting of the fact that He's got us into a better place than where we were six years ago. We're in a pretty good bowl in the Citrus. We've been to other bowl games. We've been in the Big Ten. Or are Purdue fans always going to say, okay, well, why did you leave here? And it's just what happens at Purdue. Guys come and they go and they leave for better jobs. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that the fact that it's home and that uh, it's been the only place that he's really been courted that, that we're aware of, that's not quite true because Tennessee came calling early on as well. Uh, or apparently did, though we don't know all the facts there. But, yeah, I, I think that Purdue fans will get it. Uh, I don't think that they're, you know, there's, there's some, I, I think there's some Purdue fans that don't want to have the yearly drama of yeah. this. Uh, and I think that that's been a, a storyline as well because uh, it has turned into almost a yearly event, maybe not quite during COVID, but uh, I think there were some overtones, uh, overtures, I should say, made last year, though I don't know if that was all that public. But certainly in 2018, it was a big deal. And and it's always been kind of the elephant in the room or the person that the place that he could could end up going, even on some of the comments that Jeff Brown made on a on a visit to Louisville last summer, certainly got Purdue's attention. It wasn't really anything all that shocking. 
I think he was just being honest. But uh, so I, I think Purdue fans will accept it. I think Purdue fans will appreciate the fact that he did get the fans back, uh, that he that he brought an exciting brand of football uh, to Purdue, and Purdue football is fun to watch again. I think it also puts Purdue, if it has to do it, um, to be in a position to be able to get get a coach that. Uh, you know, there's other factors too. Obviously, where the Big Ten and the SEC sit in the marketplace now makes Purdue a more attractive job, probably. But also the fact that uh, you know you've got to, a program that's that's relatively stable or certainly has improved here in the last uh, five or six years. Have you guys over at GoldenBlack.com discussed or talked about or looked into who are the possibilities to replace him at the head coaching position? Or is that something you just wait and kind of see how it feels out over the next couple of days? We have it ready to go in the admin if it, <laughs> if, if it happens. Now, you know, again, I think in today's world of search firms, which I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know how Mike Babinski will play it. Uh, they did such a good job, really, though we did we did figure out Jeff Brown was the guy back in 2016 about a, a, a day before. Uh, it's hard now as it, from sitting in our shoes to figure out uh, exactly where this. But we have a list together of, of folks that are out there that uh, might be of interest uh, to Purdue. But uh, I do know one thing, Tony, Mike Babinski, Purdue's athletic director, will not be calling us for consultation on who, who they go after. But I think there are some natural possibilities in, in, out there that, uh, you know, Dave Clawson from Wake Forest, uh, uh, it ranges from a guy like Dave Clawson to Wake Forest to maybe a, a Kevin Sumlin. Again, these are just names. Sumlin, obviously a Purdue grad who's coached at a couple different places, had a couple different buyouts. Who knows? Uh, we, but we will make some, ed- we'll make some educated guesses, but uh, uh, you know, in that situation, Tony, I don't know if you, you know, you can gamble on everything these days. I don't know if you take the field against our, our, our choice or you bet one of the people that are in our pool is in fact, who Purdue will get last. We've been lucky or and successful over the years of being able to name a, and, and be able to hone in on who that candidate's going to be. But like I said, it gets tougher and tougher these days with how how uh, searches work and how quickly sometimes these athletic directors uh, uh, get to guys to get things done. One thing you do know, and that is time is of the essence. It certainly is that for Louisville. It's that way for Purdue because you've got the transfer portal going on. You've got a lot of things that to have to, you know, you've got uh, signing day on the, 20, what, the 20th or so of December. You've got a bowl game if you're Purdue. Uh, obviously, you're not going to have a new head coach for that, but you're going to have to name an interim if this does all come to pass. So all these things really make for a, a really tangled, uh, challenging situation if you're an athletic administrator trying to deal with this. Alan Carpet, GoldenBlack.com. Before we wrap up uh, things with football and, and turn our attention real quick to basketball, uh, the connection between Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones this year yeah. is something that um, – I think it was maybe a little bit unexpected from a lot of Purdue fans in the way that Jones has been able to step up uh, your thoughts on his 110 catches this year uh, and just what those two dynamic, that dynamic duo brought to the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected it to be at this level. I mean, the guy, you know, had 20 receptions at Iowa last the year before, or whatever that number was, um, you know, he, he turned into an all big 10 level receiver and was, you know, set a Purdue record uh, for, I think, for receiving yards in a single season. Uh, he's still a little bit of ways. He'll have to have a huge game in the, in the, uh, the bowl game if to, to break Chris Daniels' record. But my point is that uh, it exceeded expectations. 
I don't know that Aiden O'Connell's season exceeded expectations. He obviously had the rib injury early in the year at Syracuse. And I think that may have impacted him some. And obviously, the terrible tragedy that he had to deal with, uh, though he played, I think, really quite well against Indiana, especially in the second half. And he played, I thought, well against Michigan, considering what you're dealing with with Michigan um, and that, and that uh, de- defense. So uh, Aiden O'Connell exceeds expectations just by the type of person he is. And, and he's better off the field than he actually is on it. And he's been pretty darn good on the field. He definitely belongs in the cradle of quarterbacks. And Charlie Jones is going to go down as one of the, certainly, but the, uh, one of the, on the Mount Rushmore of single season receiving years in the history of Purdue football. He was phenomenal. He made plays. He, he did, did it being injured a fair amount. And uh, all of those factors, you have to give him a lot of credit for being able to, to work his way through all of that. Purdue basketball ranks fifth in the country right now. Um, you can't talk about Purdue without talking about Zach Eady, what he's been doing. <laughs> yeah. Fourth in the country in points per game with 23, uh, 12 and a, 12.8 rebounds per game. That's second most. Uh, what he did against Minnesota the other day, going for 31 points and 22 rebounds. Uh, even though you've probably seen him play over 40 to 50 times, Alan, you still have to be in awe just what this guy's doing and the growth that he's shown over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I actually am. I think, you know, we've been around Purdue sports and sports for a long time and all, it, 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 I don't necessarily get uh, mesmerized but by what guys have done, but you have to because he, he, it's what, how much this guy, this guy being Zach Eady has improved. Um, you know, he's learned uh, to do a couple of really important things that are somewhat maybe slightly subtle. One is so, at least so far. And obviously uh, he's got uh, a, a whole season to play here, but the uh, rest of the season, but he's learned to defend without following. Uh, and he's learned to be extremely competent in the post. He doesn't travel. He didn't do a lot of that early on, but he's gotten much better with his footwork. And, and maybe thirdly, he's become an excellent passer. And I think he's was decent at that. And Travion Williams, of course, who, who uh, left graduated after last year, um, had all the, had all the notoriety for being the best pastor, but I, I would think Zach Eady right now has really become efficient. Uh, Purdue is not turning the ball over very much, which was a problem for Purdue a lot last year, when, even though it had a lot of talent, certainly, and a lot of experience with Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams and Sasha Stefanovic, et cetera. But you have to give uh, him credit just for that improvement, and the work he's put into this is so evident. Uh, in terms of how much better he's gotten uh, in all phases of his game. He is also, as Matt Painter has talked about, has become a, a voracious rebounder, if that's the right, right, word, right use of the word voracious. He just gets every rebound. And when you, get a, when you have a 31 and 22, I think it's the best performance uh, in 60 years. And I know Travion Williams and Caleb, Caleb Swanigan had 30-20 games, or I think they only had, only had 20 rebounds in those games. And my point is that, uh, uh, it's been really something to watch. And I, and I think lastly is, and it's hard to tell this because we're not in practice or in the locker room every day, but he is a guy that has shown maturity. He has shown leadership uh-huh. and he's not a, he's not just a, a seven foot four monster. He is a terrific uh, analyst of the game, understands how to play, uh, understands the role of his teammates and, uh, and leads a team that has got a lot of young guys uh, that are very competent. And I think that that has been a big surprise, somewhat of a surprising factor as well. You talk about young players with a lot of confidence uh, that are playing well. Fletcher Lawyer obviously comes to mind. 
What has he brought to this basketball team early in the season? Uh, just been terrific. I mean, one of the best performances uh, uh, on Sunday against Minnesota. Yeah, Zach Eady over overshadows a, a 20 point X number of assists uh, uh, performance by Fletcher Lawyer. You know, between him and Braden Smith, it, it, it's just stunning how good they've been, how confident they've been without being uh, cocky. And I don't know. In other words, they don't waste motion out there. You can tell they're confident, their abilities out there but on the court, but they don't do things that call attention to themselves. They just play. They play extremely hard. They dive off, dive for loose balls, as does just about everybody on this team. And uh, they seem to, they're almost like volleyball they, uh, players in terms of how often they hit the floor. And it's infectious. And these guys are freshmen that, that, that just came out of being excellent schoolboy players in the state of Indiana. But I don't think anybody anticipated they'd be this good. So, yeah, it's been really quite shocking. And, and you know, the future looks pretty bright when you have a guy, both guys that uh, will be around for a long time. And I think they have the ability by the time they're done at Purdue to be some of the all-time favorites at the school just because of their hustle, hustle uh, their, their attention to detail as players, the fact they work hard on defense they're, and they're actually pretty good defenders. They're not physically stout type guys, but uh, they, they just know how to play basketball. And Purdue fans, fans in the state of Indiana that love basketball appreciate those guys. And I think that that's going to be their story uh, over the next, uh, next three and a half seasons. The importance of Brandon Newman and, and his role off the bench uh, as a junior, uh, you know, minutes are up from where he was last year, but his shooting percentage is up to 43%, which is better than what he's done over his entire career. But but that role for him and how that fits into the needs of the Purdue Boilermakers. Critical. I mean, you need guys. And when you have 10 player, a rotation of 10 guys right now, and every team has ups and downs. And Purdue's going to have games. Uh, this, is, this is a newsflash. Purdue is not going to go undefeated this year. I can say <laughs> that pretty clearly. Um, and they're going to struggle. Uh, they'll probably get through Hoster on Wednesday night, but uh, Nebraska will be no cakewalk on Saturday. But my point is you need guys. You're going to have games when Lawyer does, hasn't shot the ball well. Braden Smith didn't, uh, didn't shoot the ball well on Sunday against Minnesota. They need offense. And there was a question on this team, and this team, I think, went into the Minnesota game just shooting 33% from three. And while Purdue has quality shooters, I think, uh, that percentage doesn't uh, make teams want to defend Purdue p- potentially a particular way. You absolutely knew Brandon Newman to have that confidence to make shots, to make be, be a playmaker. Arguably, Purdue could be, and I, I keep saying this. I, I don't know that it's fair to say this, but 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 Purdue is doesn't always pass the eyeball test of being a super athletic team. They need guys on the wing that can that can uh, drive the basketball a little bit and, and uh-huh. penetrate. And, and that's kind of a nonsensical statement because Lawyer and Smith can both do that as well. But Newman is good at that. He ha- is offensive-minded. His defense has gotten better. And I think he's also improved as a passer. This is a team that's extremely good passing team, as we've talked about in Lawyer and Edie and Smith. Uh, Ethan Morton, all really good passers. But I think that, that uh, Brandon Newman, if he plays, lets the game come to him, and, and, and he's shown that he can do that, uh, he's going to be very, very effective. And he's coming off the bench. You know, That's a guy that could start a lot of places in the Big Ten, uh, but he's coming off the bench, and his minutes will fluctuate on, on how he does. But uh, I think he's been very, very effective. And I, I agree, 
he is going to be a key, as really is all 10 of these guys. If Purdue's going to really make a run, not only to the Big Ten Championship, but deep into the NCAA tournament, uh, it's going to take a, a village, so to speak, for Purdue uh, to, to win because they just don't think outside of Zach Eady that they have anybody that's, that is absolutely going to scare the bejesus out of an opponent. All you need to know right there about the Purdue Boilermakers from football to basketball, uh, what's going to happen possibly next with the head coach of the Purdue Football Boilermakers, Alan Carpick with us, goldenblack.com. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your time. Look forward to checking out your work. And uh, I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what happens over the next 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, I think it's Tom Petty. Tom Petty said the waiting is the hardest part. And uh, for Purdue fans, it is. But uh, it, all things will happen in time and uh, things will end up working their way out. But, Tony, I so appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. But always have been appreciative of uh, you thinking of us and your in your uh Work life as well. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to what will probably be a really interesting December and maybe January, February, and March for Purdue sports. I appreciate it, Alan. Take care. All right, big thanks there to Alan Carpick from goldenblack.com for joining us to uh, discuss really all things Purdue football and basketball that have been going down. Purdue basketball off to an incredible start. Purdue football, Citrus Bowl, Kind of taking a back seat right now um, before we find out what's going to happen with Jeff Brom. Uh, the rumors, anytime anything comes up with Louisville, rumors um, come up. I know I mentioned this yesterday in my podcast. This rumor was was brought to me, and, and, and I'll be honest, I'll mention it to you, but I don't really want to touch it. But there, somebody told me that the word was that Jeff Brom was actually going to retire. I don't really see that, and maybe there's some things that we don't know. Um, but again, if there's things that we don't know, those are things that I'm not going to speculate on. But um, again, Purdue football heading the Citrus Bowl, Purdue basketball uh, has been a fun to watch so far this season. And, and I have been impressed by Brandon Newman and what he's been able to do off the bench. Uh, that's a role as a junior when you got a lot of um, playing time earlier in the season in, in your career. Um, that, that, that may not be something that seems to be ideal, but at the end of the day, they're making it work. And, and we know that, that Coach Painter is, is one of the best in the business when it comes to coaching college basketball. And you know, maybe this is the year that Purdue makes that final four run um, that they haven't seen in, in over 20 years. Maybe this is the year that, um, you know, they – and it's crazy because IU is really good right now as well, and you just kind of think about the last time that that happened. And I think it was the late 90s, the last time both teams are ranked inside of the top 10, which came, uh, I believe, a week ago. I don't think Indiana is ranked currently in the top 10 right now in college basketball, but still right there on the cusp. Uh, and those are going to be a great battle. I know Purdue comes to town here in Indiana in a few weeks to take on Davidson, so – be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out all of Alan Carpick's work at blackandgold.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Tony D Podcast. Check out the Fans Place app as well. We're going to have a cool game coming up on Saturday night when we talk uh, about the Pacers-Nets game. That'll be good. Look for that. We'll have another podcast coming on later on this week. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, and uh, we'll see what happens with this whole Jeff Brom situation.